is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spooky movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, Thanks for stopping by, and on to the podcast. Hi there, I'm Katie. And hi there, I am Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Woo! Yes, woo! Episode 5-4? Yes. 5-4, episode 54? Yes. Yeah, what's up y'all? What's going on? How you doing? How you doing, Brittany? My eyeball is really itchy. Is that weird? I guess it's allergies this time of year. Mine too, and I ran out of my allergy eye drops. So I've just been kind of, it's fine. I mean, it's probably not. So welcome to summer in the south. Y'all. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty tired. I had uh, my little gizmo is getting himself fixed this weekend and it's memorial day weekend it it will happen so i get to my memorial day weekend making sure he doesn't open his stitches which will be super fun um no actually it's gonna be relaxing because i'll just be able to like lay around the house all weekend um but yeah uh do you have any housekeeping Brittany? before we get Uh, too far into it i i didn't did you katie um, the only thing I was going to touch on, which is not really housekeeping, just for those of you who saw this movie that, uh, The Woman in the Window, which I mentioned last week that I had started and not finished it, but I'd read the book. Uh, yeah, not trying to spoil, spoiler alert for it. Um, it, uh, they cut a lot of stuff out of the movie that made it stupid. <laughs> like, they cut stuff from the book out of the movie and it made it very, very silly. Um, so I was kind of disappointed, but it wasn't, I don't know, the acting's good, but this, I loved the book so much. And I, I think some of it needed to be cut, but there was a specific thing where it, it made the ending make sense um, that they cut. And I was like, why would you take the explanation out of it? Um, so, yeah, there was little stuff that they cut that I was kind of like, oh, a book into a movie, you're gonna have to cut something. But, yeah, I think Canada is very vocal right now. Is she okay? She is, I apologize. Yeah, she is. She's just being an attention whore. Hey, Canada. So, if you hear meowing, yeah. she's fine. Yeah, uh, it's just I should just share people. She's, she's, just, she's a she's tortie. Anyone who has a tortie knows they're very, very chatty. So, yes. all the time. Dachshunds are also chatty. We just had to, like, wait to start recording because Gizmo was blowing down the house. Even Brittany could hear him. It's Woo. okay. And it, it, that's the only thing is, it's like, I, I'm so, it's sad because I'm so used to cats and dogs. I just kind of drown them out. Like, yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, that was the only housekeeping because there wasn't really anything to fix that wasn't like except pr- pronunciation stuff which we already begged forgiveness for that um did you watch anything good this weekend or this i week? actually i did i i'm surprised katie because i actually i actually saw a few different movies um so Yay. i've always wanted to see still alice which is the movie that julianne moore won the uh, academy of war for oh, best yeah. actress for yeah 
it was good. It was definitely like a character study. Um, but I mean, no surprise, she was great in that movie. I already liked Julianne Moore anyway. So, um, but Chris, she's Stewart in actually... the Woman in the Window. Is she really? Actually, yeah, she's a ah. she's a part in that. Yeah, I love her. She does comedy. She too. does drama. She's great. Yeah, she usually takes on very like interesting roles. Like any any movie role I've ever seen her in, I'm like, oh, I I like that role. I would have taken that role too. Um, so this was it was a hard movie though. Um, I actually had a friend who um, lost his father to Alzheimer's, and his dad was only like sixty. Um, so I mean, it's very rare to see someone younger with Alzheimer's, but it it can happen. And she's fifty when she's diagnosed in the movie. It happens very very early on in the oh, movie. Yeah. So it's not a spoiler. Um, so yeah, it was a rough watch. I cried. I still like it. I'm I still sure. recommend. So I also won, um, multiple Academy Award nominee movie, Mad Max Furry Road. And, oh, it's great. Oh, you I love that movie. I, yeah, okay. I watched it years ago with my friend Elizabeth and I thought I was going to hate it and I loved it. Okay. So I think the only problem I have with it is that like we watched it on, um, TNT streaming it on like their channel. And, um, hmm. the quality isn't always the best in some of the real action scenes. So, like, when they drive into, like, I guess the eye of the storm, like the tornado, it was, like, mm-hmm. everything was so pixelated, it was hard to see. Um, so what hmm. I could see, it was a beautiful movie, but it was, like, something... I wonder if it was a streaming service more than anything, because I don't remember having... I To me, it looked beautiful. But, again, yeah. I watched it the year after it came out, so yeah. might just be that... And I don't have as good of a TV as you, so I could just see that too. <laughs> but really, this was this was me and Taylor were like, so I liked it. Now I will say it's one of those movies. I think that the issue that you have in the podcast when we're doing the movie, sometimes you'll be like, I heard so much about this movie that when I finally saw it, I felt a little let down. Yeah, that's how I felt just a little bit. But it's also been hyped up for yeah. me for like years and years and years. I kind of turned it on, not expecting to like it at all. And mm-hmm. I think that's why I ended up liking it because it's 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 an action piece. It is an action. It's movie. not oh, yeah. anything more. But the practical, everything's practical. There's no special effects. There's no computer generated stuff, and I love that. Also, like the choreography of like the racing is so cool, and it's yeah. surprisingly very female centric, but not yes overly so. And the woman that edited the whole thing is is the director's wife and she's, I mean, obviously she's a woman. But like, I think that's cool because didn't she get nominated for the Academy Award for editing? Did she win? I think, yeah, I think, I can't remember, I want to say it may have won special effects. I think it was nominated, that year it was nominated for more awards than any other film. I think it was nominated for 10 Academy Awards, I want to say. Which I wouldn't say it's best picture stuff. It's an it action nominated. movie. Like that was one of the, I'm like, I feel like it's the popular choice which is what i'm gonna bring it to my third movie i watched this week uh weekend which was antebellum (gasps) okay so i've been waiting to watch it in case we do it do you think it's worth doing it on the podcast um only if you want to have a black christmas 20 uh 20 repeat yeah that's so sad because it looks so promising it's a wasted concept like i think that's the most disappointing thing yeah I think it could have. I think it could have really been something, and I think it was wasted. I mean, it's a pretty movie. I will say that it's a it's a visually pretty movie. But I I personally think that that's all it had going for it. Now, if you want to do it, I I have a lot more deeper thoughts on it. But at surface mm-hmm. level, out spoilers. That's all I'm gonna say. So, 
Well, I'll actually have to just watch it. It did, by the way, it did win six Academy Awards. Oh my god. That's awesome. But you have to tell me, what did you watch? This, what did you watch? Um, I watched, um, I of course watched the movie we're doing this week, which is St. Maud. Um, oh yeah. But I watched, I started watching more of Queen's Gambit, which I really, really, really like. Um, I think it's really good. It has Anya Taylor-Joy, which, by the way, the Edgar Wright trailer for Last Night in Soho is finally out. And it looks even more horror-centric than I thought it was going to be. So I can't wait to see that movie. I hope we're thinking about seeing it in theaters and maybe doing an in-theater review. Can't wait to do that. Yes. Um, it, who has Anya Taylor-Joy and Thomason? Oh, Mackenzie? Thomason Mackenzie, I think, from okay. Jojo Rabbit in it. Okay, it's, okay. it's Thomason, whatever her last name. I think it's Mackenzie. Um, who was the little girl in the attic in Jojo Rabbit? Which I okay. can't remember. What was the character's name? I can't remember. Um, but she did a really good job in Jojo Rabbit. And, she did. Um, so, and she's like the girl. <gasps> bark. She's like the girl who, um, <laughs> who, um, is experiencing the what is is like going into the past and becoming Anya Taylor Joy's character, and then yeah. Matt Smith for some reason is in it too. I was like, oh okay. <gasps> oh, and yeah. uh, Diana, Diana Riggs. Riggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's her, it's her last, last movie. movie. And there was another actor. It was Margaret. His last movie. Margaret something is also her last movie. Yes. Yeah. So Edgar Wright. We've already said this is one of my favorite directors, and I think one of Britney's favorite directors. Um, He's amazing, and I love they're now like from the director of Baby Driver, fuck Shaun of the Dead. Apparently now, well, Shaun of the Dead is kind of what put him on the map too. So yeah, so I'm really excited about that. But I obviously haven't watched it yet. But I did watch a couple movies. Um, this is actually a documentary, which I it's Pride Month when this will be filming. So yes, um, this will be releasing. So I didn't, I just ended up watching it because I've heard about this documentary for years. I always mean to watch it and I just haven't yet. I watched Paris is burning, um, which is an inside look into the 1980s drag balls in New York city. And, um, it's both heartbreaking and hilarious because the, the people in it, are so, like, out-of-the-box fun, um, and they have such big personalities because they're all performers, obviously, because it's a drag ball. Um, and they do these hard edits to um, Freddie Pe- Pendergrass? Maybe I should have looked this up. I should have written his name. People will know who I'm talking about. Freddie. Freddie. And he has a blue striped shirt on, um, and he's, he was on Pose, the recent show Pose. He's on it because he's still a pretty famous person in that world. Um, but they'll do this um, where someone will like be talking like, I love the house of um, extravaganza is one of the houses. Because there's like these houses where they train people and they kind of live like families, which I thought that was a really cool thing. Uh, like, I love house extravaganza. And he's not in house extravaganza. So Freddie like hard cuts to him going like, I would be caught fucking dead in house extravaganza. It's great. Like it's edited. So you laugh. But then like, there's this really tragic side to it about, especially in the eighties, New York was a dangerous place in the eighties, especially if you were transgender and um, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but I already knew about some of the background. Um, yeah. And there is a character that um, succumbs to violence. And it's yeah. just really heartbreaking because they're a very 
warm person and she's just so cool and like such a sweetheart and it just breaks your heart and um it happened while they were filming so of course they yeah and that's actually the one thing i knew about other than the basic premise of Mm -hmm. paris is burning i knew about that scene because they talked about like filming that scene and finding out in real time like all these years later Mm -hmm. and like the impact it still made especially nowadays as we're kind of still things have changed yes but things haven't really changed either was everything okay at your house i hear growling bowser it's okay it's okay it's okay <laughs> bowser, it's okay bub i know okay. we're upset about the it too um the sad part is is like you go and look at everyone's biographies like i always do when i look at documentaries and almost every person of note in that movie has passed away from hiv and it's really sad oh. it's really sad because i mean because it was the 80s and there's there's one part where one um, person is just talking about she's like I don't want to catch it I don't I, I try to be careful I don't want to get AIDS I don't want to and like I don't think she actually died of it but uh, um, but most people did and it's just like that was who unfortunately the communities that suffered the most with the AIDS epidemic and thank god now like there are treatments and you can live for decades but like in the 80s it was a death sentence that so, reminds me, there is a article yeah. in Esquire. So, Billy Porter just came out um, that he yes. had been HIV positive for years. And just kind of like the stigma that he always kind of felt like how he felt guilty. Um, it's a beautiful article. I wish I could put into words uh, what it's, it's, it wasn't a very long read, but I was like, wow, like I can only imagine. Um, and so he's like, you know, but he, he's married, he has a husband, and uh, according yeah. to the article, they're planning to start a family, and he's like, Aww. I feel like, he's like, I feel like I owe it to myself and my husband and my child, and even he said, like, it took him years to tell his mom, because he's like, I didn't want my mom to carry the shame of having an HIV child, and he's like, I finally Aww. realized she wasn't going anywhere, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so he told her, and she's like, you carried this for, like, 15 years by yourself she's like don't ever do that i love you i love you no matter that's, what can you imagine what that's like that's so awful to suffer through any kind of illness but especially yeah. that one like because you feel like shame about it which no one should feel ashamed about being yeah. to be positive there was a movie so um so there was actually a, a film class not like our acting for the camera class that we had at school mm-hmm. but there was a film theory class that was going to be taught and during the summer, and they didn't have enough people sign up for it, so they had to cancel it. But our professor gave me the movies that, like, that he kind of was going over that he may have thought would be mm-hmm. taught. And one of them was this phenomenal movie called uh, Long Term Companion. And it was oh. filmed, yeah, it was filmed in the 80s, um, and I watched it. Um, and it was filmed in the 80s during the pandemic, and um, the central cast of characters are gay men. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm not what, um, back in the eighties and nineties and me and Katie grew up in this era where if you were a gay male character on television or movie, you were usually very flamboyant. And these were yeah. very, these were very like kind of more normal men. Um, mm-hmm. but these were like all like about, and I imagine this movie was probably like at the time, I mean, it's still kind of groundbreaking to think about, but there's a scene where it, I mean, it's not even a spoiler alert because this large group of male friends is during the eighties one of the gentlemen gets AIDS and they go visit Aww. him in the hospital and his one friend leans down and the guy kisses him on the side of the face and the guy quietly excuses himself to the bathroom and starts washing his face and rinsing his mouth because 
at the time people didn't know they didn't, they didn't know. know how it spread they didn't know and it was just terrifying and you were terrified mm-hmm. to help even hold your your friend's hand at that yeah point. angels in america goes into that a lot too yeah um which if you haven't seen angels in america what the fuck is wrong with you um yeah it's an amazing miniseries it is very weird but um it's very good and it does cover that really well because it does take place in the 80s 90s early 90s i think is when it's supposed to take place uh don't watch rent to get aids information y'all like i love rent watch something like paris is burning watch real people go through that shit like which i mean like that's and they don't make that even the focus of the documentary it's all about the drag balls but having knowing that that's going on um it's just really sad. It's just really fucking depressing. And I'm just glad we're at a point where people don't have to feel ashamed about it. And, you know, it's it's just an illness. And don't feel ashamed about it. And, um, you know, people can live for decades. And I hope Billy Porter's with us for another 35, 50 years. Because I love Billy Porter. Also, his it's new Clorox Sentiva <laughs> commercial is he? Someone finally used Yas Clean instead of Yas Queen in a cleaning commercial, and it's Billy Porter. I was like, finally! Thank that you. Is, that's perfect. No, I agree. just watch his Clark Sentiva commercial, y'all. It's been coming up. I guess I don't know if that like it just happened to coincide, or if the commercial's been on and I just haven't seen it yet until this month. But it's been coming on, and I've been like, yes, I love Billy Porter. He's so fun. Um. But yeah, Paris is Burning. Highly recommend, um, especially for Pride Month. Um, I think it's an important movie. Watch the movie. It's on Criterion Collection for sure. It might be, probably is on HBO Max because they have a lot of Criterion stuff on there. Which is how I watched Funny Games 1997, finally. Um, Which is amazing, but really disturbing. Um, And I do want to watch the remake, which if you don't know what Funny Games is... It's um, Michael Haneke, who is an Austrian director. He um, has directed in German, obviously, because he's Austrian. That's what this, the language this movie's in. English, which is what the remake's in. And French, which is... Several of his movies are in French. Um, the Piano Teacher, I believe, is in French, uh, which I haven't watched yet, but is next on my list. And also Cachet, which I have watched with Juliette Blanche. I love her. Um, from Chocolat. She's amazing. Um, Cachet is really good. I will say, like, I think Cachet is a little easier to watch than Funny Games. Funny Games is very disturbing. Um, but most of the violence happens off screen. And you, but you have to see the aftermath of it, which is almost worse, personally. Um, but it's about a family who goes to their kind of secluded lake house and are, uh, tortured by these two teenagers who just, like, show up at their house to borrow eggs, and then it slowly escalates into, like, them just being tortured by these people. Which sounds really, like, torture porny, but it's really not about that. It's more about the mental games that are taking place. And that's what I really like about Michael Haneke, is that he does so much psychological horror. Um, you've seen it, right, Britt? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I've seen funny games, yeah. Um, I guess we should get into the movie. Yeah. That we, um, I picked. Um, so this week we are covering, um, a movie that has been in the works since 2019. It was supposed to be released in 2019 and I believe it was released in 
festival circuits in late 2019. And then, of course, COVID hit right when it was supposed to come out in theaters. So um, they postponed releasing it in theaters until um, early this year. And I've heard nothing but good things about it from other reviewers and things, although I haven't really been listening to a lot of reviews until after I watched it. Um, But I will say, while I think it lives up to the hype, I would say, in my opinion, it was, it's, it's a, a very creepy religious horror movie. Um, and it's directed by and written by Rose Glass. This is her first feature film. Another directorial debut. Yeah, I didn't realize it was her. I figured it was either an early film or first film because it's an A24 movie and they tend to give first time directors a chance. Um, but Rose Glass, um, is a British director. Um, it's her first feature film and, um, she wrote and directed it and, um, it stars Morfid Clark and Jennifer Ale, who is from Pride and Prejudice, but also a ton of stuff and we'll get into them more. Um, but basically it is psychological horror, but there's a lot of body horror in it. And that part definitely lived up to my expectations because there was some stuff, but there were some surprises. Like I didn't expect it to go where it went. Um, but I kind of really liked it and coming from a place of someone who is religious, um, but who knows how dangerous religion can be if it's viewed through a lens of someone who is fanatical about it. Um, I really liked it that way because like I am Catholic. I grew up Catholic. Um, Maud converts to, they keep saying Catholicism. I think Church of England has very similar practices, so, but she's doing the sign of the cross, and I don't know if they do that or not, so, but it's in England, so, um, but they say she's Catholic, um, in all the reviews, so she's, she's, uh, obsessively religious, and she, basically the premise started out, the director was like, I thought of, like, a woman who talks to God and falls in love with the voice of God inside of her head. And it's a relationship between the two of them. And then it kind of evolved into a horror film. Um, so it kind of started as one little grain of an idea and just kind of developed into this movie. And it's a nice, tight, quick movie. It's not super yeah. long. So, and it just, it's on almost all streaming platforms right now. Except for maybe Netflix. I think it's on Amazon Prime and Hulu, I want to say. So, yeah, there's a lot, lot of ways to watch it. Um, I thought it was interesting because another idea that she had was she's really inspired by people who are her voices and the very various conditions that can lead to that. And that's something that really mm-hmm. is that kind of like what I liked about this movie, this double-edged coin, is is she, yes. is she not? Yes, it's very yeah. ambiguous, but in a mm-hmm. good way, which, yeah. you know, usually I do not like ambiguous movies. I like to know, like, what the fuck is happening here, but... When it comes to faith and religion, you can never 100% be based on fact. It is always, it's faith. You have to have faith. And part of that faith is believing in the unbelievable. Um, So it it makes sense in this movie. And um, I like that because if you're not into religion or if you don't believe in a higher power, you can just think that she is having um, an episode of mental illness and I think this movie works that way, too, because it's told from her point of view. So I think it works both ways. Um, and I think I have a little bit of... My interpretation is a little bit of both, 
Honestly, I'm like, I think maybe, I mean, I believe in God, but I, I don't think God would ask you to do the things that Maud does. Yeah. So, at least he's never asked me to do these things, so <laughs> I don't think so. But um, do we want to talk about, there's not too many characters, I guess we can get into that real quick. Unless there's anything yeah, you want yeah. to add to kind of the intro part. Uh, I, I, nothing, like, really crazy, because I don't want to go, go into spoilers, but I thought something that was really, really cool about Rose Glass, mm-hmm. and this was her directorial debut, and I was reading an article mm-hmm. about her, and so, it's not like this, oh my god, like, Hollywood director, it was like, no, she was re- waiting for the release of this film, she had, like, five roommates, and she has three cats, so I'm like, oh, yeah. she's, a of, she's a mother of cats, too, um, and I thought it was just, like, really, yeah. really cool how she's just, like, this, and she was, like, you know, um, I was terrified. She's like, I found this writing, the writing process was so isolating. And she's like, once I was able to collaborate and get with my actors and stuff, she felt mm-hmm. so much better. But she's just like so yeah. honest. She's not like, oh my God, like this, this idea just hit me and I knew it was going to be great. She was like, yeah, I had a lot of fear writing this movie. There was mm-hmm. parts I didn't know what I was doing. And I just had to kind of write until it came together. And I mean, I, I love yeah. that. I love that about her. And she... She changed a lot of the characters based on who was cast. For instance, mm-hmm. so we have um, Morphid Clark as Maud or Katie. She has two names. Um, she's Maud is a troubled and devoutly religious young home health nurse who's determined to save her patient's soul as a mission from God. Um, she's a Swedish-born Welsh actress, Morphid Clark, and they actually use the fact that she's Welsh in a very interesting way that I'm not going to say right now, but um, we'll, we'll talk about that. But they use the fact that she is Welsh in a very interesting way, um, and she's such, like, a, a innocent-looking girl. She's done a lot of, like, period pieces. Like, she was in Pride and Prejudice and, and Zombies as Georgiana. She was in that, um, which I still haven't seen, but it looked really cool, the personal history of David Copperfield, like, the yes! newer one. And that's um, in HBO Max. And, she, and she's going to be on um, the Lord of the Rings TV series that they're working on. Um, but she's also done Crawl, which I haven't seen yet, but I heard a lot about. I think it's about alligators. It's like an yes. alligator, like, gets stuck in a house that's flooded with alligators. Um, but she looks just so simplistic, and she's so tiny and meek-looking, and that's so good because you do not expect the things that she does coming from such a meek person, which also has a lot of biblical connotations and stuff, but we'll get into that. Um, there's also Jennifer Ale, who I was really excited about seeing her in a movie because she is Elizabeth Darcy. I mean, Elizabeth Bennet, who turns into Elizabeth Darcy in the like, six-hour Pride and Prejudice uh, miniseries, which I watch probably three times a year. I like to watch it when I go to bed, because I've watched it so many times. It just kind of lulls me to sleep. British people talking about marriage just makes me fall asleep. Um, But she, I didn't know this, but Jennifer Ale, because I'm so used to her having a British accent, but she plays an American. Amanda is an American. She's a terminally ill, retired dancer choreographer who's very loud and inappropriate, but um, seems to care about Maud. Um, and she's decidedly not religious, but she's American. And that changed because originally the character was like this little old British lady. And once they cast mm. Jennifer Ale, they're like, oh, no, let's make her like brash and kind of the opposite of Maud. And she's a really good foil for her. Um, but I'd only seen her in like, you know, like British movies and she has a British accent. No, she's like half American. So her American accent is true. And that's why when she's also 
if you just like trash movies, she plays Anastasia Steele's mom in Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, and I think the third one. So, and for our Game of Thrones fans, originally she was Catelyn Stark, but uh, she yeah. had just had a baby and she filmed the pilot and then she decided, she's like, I can't be away from my baby this much. Sorry. And she had to leave. So um, that's when Michelle Fairley got it, who was amazing. But I think Jennifer Ale would yeah. have been amazing too. Um, oh, yeah. But absolutely. I can see that too. But yeah, um, do you want to go into, I have a few more written down, but are there anybody oh. else you want to talk about? No, because I had a few more names written down, but they, they I didn't have a lot of information on the actors. Yeah, there's Lily Frazier, who's done... I have heard of a couple of the TV shows she's been on. She's a British actress um, who was in Cuckoo, Cuckoo. Um, and I haven't heard of Motherland or Ladhood, but I've heard of Cuckoo because there's an American remake of it, too, with Taylor Lautner in it, I think, from... Mm. Uh, I think it's I think it's Taylor Lautner's in it. Um, it looks okay though, because I think the original British actor who plays the dad in it, I think maybe he came in for the American version. Um, but um, she plays Carol, who's Amanda's much younger girlfriend, who's mostly around because Amanda gives her money. But um, she's just kind of a free spirit. I say mostly. I don't think she dislikes Amanda at all. I think she does like her, but it does seem like. She's in it for the money. She's she's a sugar baby. Well, well, I should have just said she's a sugar baby. Um, and then there was Lily Knight as Joy, who is a nurse who works with who worked with Maud and kind of reaches out to her. Um, she's another British actress. Uh, she was in the League of Gentlemen, which is one of the funniest sketch shows. It's very irreverent, um, coming out of Britain, and she does a lot of TV. But I thought she was really good, honestly. I thought she has a couple key scenes, and I thought she did a really good job. And then the only really man who has any lines in this movie, this is very much like Portrait of a Woman on, a Lady on Fire, where there's like pretty much no men in this movie, uh, is, well, there are, but not a lot, as Marcus Hutton as Richard, which is Amanda's friend, but he's literally in one scene. Um, but he was on Doctor Who in 89, so I was like, well, that's cool. Um, do you have a synopsis for this? I didn't, no, ma'am. I figure I like oh, to okay. take the wheels because it's your week. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, I do have one written. Okay, so, synopsis for St. Maud, y'all. Um, following a traumatic workplace incident, a troubled young nurse obsessively turns to religion and sets off on a mission to save her patient's soul after experiencing visions from God. That's it. That's the movie. That's the movie, y'all. Um, which I think we're gonna say spoilers. Yeah. From now on. Yes, absolutely. I think we both... I think we both liked the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, this is actually a very taut 84 minutes, which I loved. Yes. So. It's great. Like, it's a short watch, and it's, there's not a whole lot of, like, rambling stuff. And I think I really like it. It doesn't slow down very much, but it does take time to breathe. Um, but the funny thing was, so they edited it down even shorter, and had got to add stuff back into it. So they had an even shorter edit. And then they're like, oh, we have more time? Oh, okay. So they added more stuff to it. So it's a good watch. I think it's really good. I think um, if you like psychological horror or like culty religious kind of horror, I think this will be right up your alley. Um, not that it's not really culty. It just kind of has that vibe of like obsessiveness. So, or like stalker movies, I think any, any of those things, 
definitely watch this. And I think it's cool because it's a very female-centric movie. There's not really many male characters, and it doesn't seem to be empty of anything because of that. And it's not really a men are evil movie either. No, it's very no. much like Portrait of a Lady on Fire. They're just not necessary for this plot. Yeah. So, yeah. With that, I think we're going to get into spoilers. So skip ahead to the end um, if you want to hear anything else from us. Um, but we're going to get into spoilers. Um, so I really love this movie. I love how... Um, much symbolism is in it and i definitely want to get into that but i guess let's, let's move i guess we'll move kind of quickly through the plot since there's not a whole lot of stuff going on yeah we can definitely do that um so once yeah. again guys we're we're covering saint Maud. it's pretty much on a lot of different streaming services i watched it on hulu um so i had a good watching experience on, on hulu. prime because uh. i didn't want to deal with commercials on hulu oh i didn't have commercials with this one so that's good that's good so oh, that's good I think we have commercials at the very beginning, but that was it. But that's common. Um, yeah, Good. so um, we, we open up um, on, uh, we don't know at the time, that, it, but it's a flashback. It's uh, Katie, uh, which I, it's just easy to remember for obvious reasons. So Katie fails to <laughs> save her patient. Um, she's had this very traumatic incident. We don't know what's really going on, but we're in the hospital. Um, and she's kind of up against the wall, and there's blood all over her face. And she just looks mm-hmm. like, like... I, I can't describe. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things, like, and just downtrodden. Um, and she looks up and she sees And very this, traumatized. Like, yeah, yeah, traumatized. That's the word I'm looking at. Yeah. So very traumatized. And she looks up and she sees this cockroach. And it kind of, like, centers in on this cockroach, which I think plays an important part what we know is going mm-hmm. on later. Um, so sometimes later, um, Katie is going by Maud. Uh, and she has turned into what I would consider, and Katie's more, our Katie is more of a specialist on this, but I consider a warp kind of form of Ro- Roman Catholicism, I would say. Yeah. Um, I yeah. would, okay, if we want to get into the Catholic shit. So, <laughs> I, okay, here's the thing. My grandmother, who passed away last year, a year and a half ago, my grandma Marilyn was a devoutly Catholic woman, as was my grandfather. Um, but even they did not have that many saint cards up on their wall. And I mean, like, they had a lot of Catholic stuff. Um, so, yeah, it just was a lot. And, like, I mean, I think you've been to my house. I have, like, a yeah. crucifix in my bedroom. I have the serenity prayer which actually an old roommate left that at my house, so I didn't even buy that. But I like the serenity prayer. And I have, like, a holy water fount at my front door that was a confirmation gift. But I would not say that my house has ever had that much Catholic stuff on it. Unless you look at my bookshelf, and then there's all these catechism books that I had from Catholic school. But yeah, she's fanatically Catholic. Um, But I will say they get a lot of things correct about... um, religious figures that she's tied to and we'll get into that in a second but um that i have i did a lot of studying about that part um but yeah so she's she's fanatically religious she lives in this tiny little shack of an apartment and it's very sparse and she's just got like saint cards everywhere all over her wall and like five statues of mary the virgin mary um and yeah she's just and she she dresses very conservatively yeah which i think is partially her uniform as a nurse but also like i don't know there's just when people wear turtlenecks under dresses it always gives me bad vibes 
it's like Annie Annie Wilkes from um, Misery. Yeah. Um, we get her inner dialogue throughout the entire movie, which I think makes it very interesting. Sometimes inner dialogue can be detrimental and lazy to a plot, but I think because we, she's hearing voices and she's talking to God constantly, I think it makes sense for this movie. Yeah, and she talks to God in a very, like, almost as if you were talking to your friend, because she's like, you know, I'm I'm hoping you're, you have something planned for me. I'm ready for something big. And so, like, even... I mean, I, I talk to God like that. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I think a lot of people can have casual relationships with God, and it's fine. Yeah. Um, but there's something, I don't know, there's something sinister about how deeply she feels it. Also, I think there's a, it's really important to say that Maud thinks she is special. Yeah, she does. She wants to be special. She needs to be special. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I have a lot to talk about this movie. Cause no, you're good. You're good. Um, right up my Catholic alley. So she's, she, we do see where she's caring for Amanda. And Amanda, of course, um, is an American dancer and choreographer. She does. She's in the final stages of lymphoma. So when we literally meet Amanda, um, Maud literally says this one, um, something, paraphrasing, something to the nature of, you know, this one's going to be ready to meet you soon. So it's like Amanda's yeah. in the last, like, bits of her life. Um, and so Amanda admits to Maud that she's scared and so Maud, like, you know, kind of believes at this point that, okay, like, I'm tasked mm-hmm. with saving her soul. And so she has uh, Amanda pray with her. And as they're praying together, um, Maud gets this almost like, they actually, um, so Rose calls it a godgasm. That's what she actually refers to it as yeah. when she talks about it. Um, but she's like, she well, has And this- it's interesting because yeah. when she has these moments, the electricity will dim in and out. Yes. So it's almost like. Is she just interpreting that as something, or is she feeling that and experiencing it in her head? Yeah. Which is interesting. And but yeah, It is ahead. really interesting, because also, this first scene, it's almost like Amanda's feeling it, too, which I think also kind of tricks the audience. It's like, oh, is this a real thing? Yeah. Amanda's, is Amanda feeling this, too, or is Amanda playing with Maude? And what's, what's, without going to, out giving away some further details, I think I think part of the uh, tragedy of this movie is that Maude and Amanda are two people that care about each other but misunderstand each other mm-hmm. over and over again. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I Very wanted much. to I wanted to bring up the Godgasm thing because I was reading this mm-hmm. phenomenal interview with Rose Glass um, that detailed went to a lot of detail when she was writing this movie and something yeah. that she was really inspired by was that she read uh, Joan of Arc actually had a temporal lobe epilepsy that it would cause Joan of Arc may have yeah yeah may have historically uh, historians believe it um but it they think it's may have caused this like euphoric uh be uh euphoric bliss and so I think a lot of this godgasm is inspired by that yeah well and there's also references to William Blake Mm -hmm. um Amanda actually gives um Maude a book about William Blake, who was a religious painter. He he didn't support organized religion, and I remember reading a story in high school about him taking a walk and seeing God in a tree, and then he had to paint it, and I was like, man, this man's crazy. Um, which I think is an interesting contrast as how you want to interpret the movie is the references to Joan of Arc and William Blake. William Blake, well, okay, let's talk about Joan of Arc first, because she's more everyone knows about Joan of Arc or you should I, I don't maybe it's because I'm Catholic I know about I mean is it is it I think it's in pop culture enough I do yeah um 
because she was a historical figure too. Mm-hmm. Um, Joan of Arc was a young French woman called uh, the Maiden of Orleans, and um, she had what she interpreted as visions from God that um, helped her lead the French people um, in a lot of victories during the Hundred Years' War in France, um, during the Lancastrian phase of it, according to Wikipedia. Um, So she really was almost like a figurehead for Mm -hmm. the French people. Um, But unfortunately, the church leaders um, and pro-English government leaders um, had her tried as a witch for heresy, and she was burned at the stake. Um, which is more foreshadowing. And uh, the church for years said she was a witch. And then later on, we're like, oh, shit, we're sorry. She's a saint. She's a martyr. Um, which I'm sure Joan would have just preferred to keep living. It's it's really fucked up what yeah. they did to her. And it was, it was more of a political thing about pro-England and less about her actually being a witch. But it's fucked up. Um, but the thing about Joan of Arc is... From all the contemporary writing about her, no one thought she was crazy. Everyone said she was extremely level-headed. Everyone thought she was very mentally sound. So that's why her visions seem to be real. Whether she, maybe she did have a temporal um, seizure, that's totally possi- a possibility. But Joan of Arc also seemed very sane. Which I think is very interesting because William Blake is exactly the opposite. William Blake... Which is probably his most famous painting. He's a poet and a painter. Which, his poems, they're good. And his paintings are good, but they're all a little scary. They're yeah. very dark and creepy, but they're super religious. But he had a lot of very, like, weird... He doesn't... You can never figure out what the fuck William Blake actually believed in because he just contradicted himself so many times. Which is yeah, a thing about him. But we're probably... Most people are most familiar with his painting the great red dragon which was in the movie red dragon and the woman clothed the sun which is mary the virgin mary um i feel like i say virgin mary because there's mary magdalene references too which we can get into because i think that's a really big important symbolic thing in this script as well all of his contemporaries thought william blake was a fucking madman so i find that interesting that there's a big william blake thing and a big joan of arc thing and that's how you can choose to interpret the movie is maude fucking crazy or is she actually having visions? So, and to me, like, I think, yeah, maybe Joan of Arc did have seizures. But does that mean God wasn't talking to her? Not necessarily. I also, I feel like to raise my so. hand here, if we're talking about contradictions. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. If we're talking about contradictions in this movie, how about the fact that um, I could see things where there was moments in this movie that were maybe uncomfortably funny, but... Mm-hmm. Rose Glass meant for a lot of the script to be comedic. And I thought about Anton Chekhov, where I did not catch the comedy. Like, <laughs> I was sequel. just... I, I, I never I never laughed during this movie. Like, if there was intentionally points to laugh, I, I caught them, but I didn't laugh. Like... Yeah. I think it's because, like, Jennifer Ailes' character is so funny, but Maude doesn't get it. And her not getting the joke kind of exudes on off the screen yeah and i think i think that it's great though because it makes you like it's just that cringeworthy like oh my yeah. god this is so awkward because she's so awkward and it's and it's interesting because maude didn't used to be like that um when she and amanda are getting close amanda sees her religious medal but she has a medal of mary magdalene 
which speaking of the godgasms, I find that so interesting because Maud's relationship with God is so much of that of a lover. And Mary Magdalene, the real Mary Magdalene, was most likely a woman who either got divorced and remarried or maybe had boyfriends outside of marriage. She wasn't a typical ancient civilization woman. She broke tradition. And very famously, Mary Magdalene had this beautiful long hair and she cried tears and washed Jesus's feet with her tears and dried her his feet with her hair and then put very expensive perfume. And Judas Iscariot was like, she wasted all this money when we could have given it to the poor. And he's like, she's trying to make amends. Leave her the fuck alone, basically, is what Jesus said. Anyways, there is an alleged rumor that, one, they used to call Mary Magdalene a prostitute or a sex worker in the Old Testament. They have since changed that because everyone's like, yeah, she probably wasn't actually a sex worker. They probably just wanted to put her down. Um, but Mary Magdalene was a very important person in Jesus' life. She was one of the women that discovered him after he'd risen from the dead. Whether you want to believe that actually happened or it's a story is up to you, but she is a very important figure in Jesus' life. And she is a woman who, quote-unquote, had loose morals, who met God and changed for the better, much like Maude thinks she is. She also, according to the Da Vinci Code, was Jesus' wife and bore his children, and that's who the Holy Grail is. Spoiler alert for the Da Vinci Code, but that's a 20-year-old book, so who the hell cares? Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting that she wears Mary Magdalene and she thinks she's, she's basically considering herself the spouse of God, even though yeah. you have to be a nun to be Jesus, a bride of Christ. Sorry. You can become a nun, though. I don't know why she'd just become a nun. There are nursing nuns. Like, yeah. just become a nun, Maude. Come yeah. on, lady. Anyways, sorry. That's I. There's a lot of symbolism in this movie, which I highly appreciate. Yeah. It totally makes sense. Anyways, sorry, Britt. You go talk for a little while. No, you're good. I think you're we good. were basically at the fact where Amanda is having a vision with Maude, and Maude thinks that Amanda is having a vision, which is after she meets Carol amanda's girlfriend and she sees carol leave with money and she automatically does not like carol she's like what a bitch mary magdalene would be okay with carol honey and i kind of i'll be honest i only watched this one one time so i can't remember oh yeah i can't remember if it's from this point that we see that we meet joy and joy kind of yeah i think let's see according to my notes um I think it's right before that, or right after the William Blake book. Um, mm. But I guess so after we meet Carol. Um, Maude is run is walking down the street, and she hears someone call her Katie. And it's mm-hmm. this woman, Joy. And she's a nurse that used to work with Katie. And when um, Maude slash Katie says, ah, I'm working as a home health nurse, she's like, oh, are you still allowed to nurse? Do they know what happened? <sighs> and it was just awkward as fuck. But then yeah. she gives her her phone number and is like, hey, call me if you want to hang out. And Maude's not really sure what to do with that, but she's like, oh, okay, bye. Um, super awkward. So we know that whatever happened in the first scene was pretty traumatic, and she probably, I don't know if she was fired or if the trauma made her quit her job because it was too much yeah. for her. Because when other people ask her, like, why did you change jobs? She's just like, I just needed a change, which is always code for I hated working there, and yeah. I needed to get out of there. Because that is always close to that. But I want to be nice. 
I feel like she wasn't fired, and the only reason I say that is because I feel like she wouldn't be allowed to work in type to, inside the same type of profession. I think it was like an accident, yeah. and I think it was an accident that was traumatizing to her. Um, yes. Another thing that I think is very important in this movie is that Maude does not have a support network of any kind. Like, but she, she does. Have... She chooses not to. That's the thing that bothers me the second time watching well, it. I didn't catch it the first I'm time. Not, not, not talking Amanda about Joy. Amanda gets her chance. Yeah. But it's it's purposeful. Amanda yeah. asks her, how are you doing? Joy asks her, how are you doing? And even her boss later on in the movie is like, do you need to talk about something? Do you need something? And I think that's so interesting because she could have a support system, but she chooses to ignore her trauma instead of working through it and yeah. accepting help. Um, because she thinks her and God can figure it all out by themselves. But Which... I'm thinking, like, and we this is never this is never verified in the movie. But I feel like she doesn't have family or anything. And I, feel I mean, like yeah, after yeah, after the first of it in the beginning of the movie, the first of it we see. I don't think there's anyone that she can initially talk to because when Joy when she calls Joy, and I know we'll get to the scene, she literally goes, "It's funny you gave me your number because I didn't think you liked me." Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so she runs into Joy. It's kind of weird, and she's like hell bent on saving Amanda and. She, when Carol's there the next day, the next time Carol stays over, she catches her as she's leaving. She's like, I think you need to break up with Amanda. Don't hurt her. But this is a very important time in her life, and we don't want her to waste her pain. Which she keeps saying, don't waste your pain. And she's like, you know, we really have to, you know, let her focus on dying, basically, and being converted. And Carol's like, uh, the fuck? But sure. Okay, Maude, whatever you say. And, um... Amanda gets a phone call, and then she seems really upset afterwards, and Maude's like, oh, good. She did it. Yay. She's going to be free, and she can focus on this. And it's very much a control thing for Maude. Like, she wants to control um, her patient's sex life. And also, like, I think there is a little bit of an attraction between the two of them, but not uh, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, like a, it's just like a tentative, like, flirtation almost. Like, they're not consciously yeah. flirting with each other, but, like, it's it's obvious they both care about each other but Maude obviously is of the mind of like homosexuality is not something I can do so even though I have feelings on it I'm not gonna act upon it which is very yeah. sad um for Maude too because I mean I don't know she might just you know maybe she just feels this way about this one woman but like it's really sad if you can't be honest with yourself about your sexuality at least a little bit you know um and I think she's jealous of the fact that Carol gets to be with Amanda like that um, and I, I don't really love Carol as a character. She's kind of a weak character, but yeah. she says things that make sense. Like she's like, you don't have any say over your patient's sex life. It's none of your fucking business, which is absolutely correct. Um, unless your client is like having surgery and they can't have sex for so many weeks and you're like, Hey, don't do that. Like, but you really don't yeah. need to be in that. Um, and we see not our first cause our most in our, a pretty intense form of self-harm where Maude um, purposefully burns her own hand on the stove in penance because I think she still feels bad about what she's doing to Amanda because she does care about Amanda. And before that, she, like, kneeled on popcorn kernels and prayed. Yeah. And so finally, like, um, Amanda kind of perks up a little bit the next day and she's texting a lot again. And she's like, hey, um, I'm having a party tonight. And... um, uh, uh, Maude's like, oh, this is great. Like, oh, I'm going to be, like, her savior. This is great. Oh, my God. 
Um, Because even in the William Blake book that Amanda gives Ma, she's like, you're my savior, my little saint. Um, And Carol arrives and immediately Maude's attitude completely changes and she starts being kind of a bitch. Um, And Amanda's kind of drunk. Obviously, it's her birthday. And um, she kind of starts ranting and calling Maude on her shit. I yeah. have to say, there's, there's this beautiful scene uh, that they bring out this birthday cake, and Maud's like in the corner, and oh my god, I don't know if you caught this, but it looked like almost like a painting, like an oil painting, like because you just see her yeah. like slight silhouette. And I'm like, God, this is a gorgeous shot in the mm-hmm. middle of all this, and you feel like the way she framed it, you feel this real sense of isolation, like you just yeah. feel so, like you know, Maud is not doing the right thing, but you still feel so bad for her yes because it's not like she's doing it out of a place of hatred she thinks she's doing what's right for her and that's the sad thing it's kind of like parents who send their kids to conversion camp and you're like you're a dick what the fuck but you're like i know you think you're doing what's right but you're really not like really really think about it dude anyways sorry again i've been watching a lot of people tear down fundamentalists if you're fundamentals, I'm not trying to hate on you at all. I'm Christian too, but whew, some of those, some of those families just, oh, it's too much. Um, anyways, so Amanda basically calls modern her shit, and someone jokingly says, "Oh, so you've got a menage a trois going on with you, Carol and Maude? And she's like, "No, Maude hates Carol." And Maude's just trying to walk away. And she's like, "Don't you fucking walk away from me because I'm talking about you and I'm talking to you." And she starts kind of, like, making fun of her. But not, like, the worst making fun. She's just kind of teasing her. But then her friends start, like, dressing Maude up as a saint. And they put, like, a veil on her. And then, like, she kind of... Amanda realizes that Maude's kind of getting upset. And so she she reaches out her hand, holds her hand, and is like, Listen, do not, do not take anything I say seriously. It's just you're a beautiful young woman. And I think you should relax more. And Maude kind of snaps back at her. And then she basically starts making a joke about God having a giant cock and Maude slaps her and yeah. um, runs away. And you see Maude talking to her employer and she's like, can I, can I apologize to her? She's like, I don't think that's right. But that's her employer's like, is everything okay? Amanda seemed really concerned about you. Like some personal problems. Are you okay? And Maude's just like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Which again is like, is this someone who does not want to face their trauma? And I do think, I think the only review of this I watched was from Spooky Astronauts, which is an Australian reviewer. I really like her stuff. She's good. She has a lot of YouTube reviews. But she pointed out, like, it's someone not facing their trauma. And I think that's a big part of this movie is that you need to face your trauma and figure it out. And people who face their trauma and figure it out tend to be a lot happier because whatever symptoms of that trauma that are causing your life to be difficult will eventually recede if you just face it and process it. And she does not want to process her trauma. She just wants yeah. to like, stuff it deep down, which is ironic because in Catholicism, you know, I don't like going to confession, but confession is a way to like process trauma because you can talk about things that you feel guilty about, or you can just talk to somebody and get counseled about it. You know, like I feel like, it's, you know, she's not really following her faith how it's intended. You know, like William Blake. Anyways, I'm sorry, I talked a little bit more. No, you, you're good. Uh, I'm just this listening. is when she kind of she kind of goes into a um, a uh, depression spiral. Yeah. And yeah. we kind of learned this... that... Go ahead, yeah. No, no, you're good, you're good. Um, So, 
this whole next thing is that so she's dismissed from the job and like her boss also says like you know yeah you're dismissed you're lucky she's not filing charges um so she's kind of like she's talking to god again and she kind of believes at this point that god has kind of rejected her um and so mm -hmm. she kind of so when she's talking to carol in the kitchen a little bit earlier in this movie she's like i'm sure you're great in bed and it's kind of like carol's even shocked like maude because up to this point we kind of think there's maybe like a virginal like kind yeah. of meat quality and then we're like oh no this seems fascinating because that's not who maude used to be that's not who katie no. was katie katie wasn't virginal she had a very like lifestyle that she was like drinking and sleeping with people mm -hmm. And so she tries to go to a pub and drinks, um, but she's lonely. She gives this really sad dead-eye hand job in this alleyway. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. It's awful. It's so, yeah, it's so really cringy. bad. Oh, God. And so... Maybe that was, was supposed to be funny. That was kind of funny. Yeah. It was funny, but I didn't laugh. Like, funny. Like, it yeah. was like... But I don't, I don't always find sec, I don't always find secondhand embarrassment funny myself because then yeah. she goes back into the bar and she tries to like integrate herself in this group of people. She starts laughing at a joke one of them says, and they all kind of like, "Who the fuck is this girl?" Yeah, and yeah, it's just yeah, so sad. Thing. It's really, really depressing. And then she tries to call her friend Joy, um, but and, and her friend Joy's really like, disturbing. "I'm so sorry, I'm busy." Yeah, so she tries to reach out to everybody, and it's sad. Yeah, so she she ends up um, going home with this guy, and in the middle of having sex with him, we see what happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we see what happened. is the scene from the beginning of the movie, so a, a patient has coded, and she's giving CPR, and when she does, her hands go through his chest. And yeah. that actually happened to Rose's, Rose Glass's friend. Like, that was, like, a legitimate oh, thing that God. happened. Yeah, so... Like, she, she was what... She was Maude in this situation? Yeah, exactly. So okay. her friend was a nurse, and basically they had a ward where the patients had had lung surgery, and there was a patient who had coded, and she t attempted to resuscitate him by giving CPR, and she caved his chest, and her hands went through the man's chest and, <gasps> killed, and killed him instantly. Yes, yes. So this is, like, a true oh, thing. And no. she asked her friend, she's like, can I use that for my movie? And her friend approved it so yeah that was like oh. a legitimate real thing that did happen i mean that could um, happen yeah that's why you have to be careful when you do cpr that's yeah why, i mean that's why you go on the sternum because it's usually pretty strong it's protecting the heart but yeah that's yeah yeah well how about this it's like i'm also it was really uncomfortable because she's having sex she kind of has that like traumatic flashback and she kind of gets off the guy and he yes. kind of like holds her down and finishes like he's yeah like, it's he okay, rapes it's her okay. yeah she says exactly. no like she three times literally says no yeah and he like at first he's like comforting her and then he's like uh i really have to finish i'm like oh my god just jack yourself off asshole yeah jeez i'm so or stop yeah, afterwards he insults her too because he rolls over and he's like, by the way, I remember you. I think you hooked up with one of my friends too. Yeah, and he... So, yeah, yeah, it's really... It's really disturbing. Yeah, it's oh, really God. fucked up. But then she kind of like goes into a worse downward spiral and she goes home and she's just having convulsions and there's outdoor fireworks and um she starts kind of like having a vision again and we see her levitate in her apartment which is again up to interpretation is it really happening or is she just having a vision not really sure um 
But afterwards, she says, I have a revelation. And her, her apartment has become a total mess. So all of a sudden, she starts cleaning her home. It's spotless. She cuts out all these religious pictures, makes like a shrine. She cuts out the thing Amanda wrote her, like about her being her savior, puts it on the wall. And then she, um, this is the part that got me both times I watched it. Um, she takes little nails and we probably saw this in the trailer. She pokes them through like a, like a, a prayer card that she's cut out in the shape of a shoe and, um, puts them in her shoes and then walks around in them. And it's very disturbing. And both times I watched it, I was like, ah, I want it to vomit. Um, because they really do a good job of making it seem real. Um, but basically she's determined not to waste her pain and starts to focus on converting Amanda even more. And she goes so far as to stalk her current nurse, whose name is Esther, which is another biblical name I found interesting. Um, and the nurse reveals that she and Amanda, yeah, we're good pals. And she's sad because she's this patient's probably close to dying. Um, and she reveals, um, yeah, basically like, and Maude gets almost jealous because she's like, how dare she be friends with Amanda when I was friends with Amanda? And she just kind of, she, Esther's just kind of like musing like, yeah, it's really sad when patients die, you know, because like you get close with them. It's like a good thing about this kind of job, but it's also really sad when they do die. So um, Esther's being open and honest and Maude gets frustrated, like storms away. And she's like, I am determined. And she starts um, having, she sees the bug again. Yeah. And she's and then all of a sudden um we have God in the shadows which I'm sorry. I feel like if God came to me to talk to me, he'd look a lot more comforting and like not in the shadows. I just yeah. I feel like it would be Jesus or something. Um or like the Jesus from um Superstar where it was Will Ferrell. Is it Will Ferrell? It is Will Ferrell. And he's just like, "I'm whoever you want me to be. I'm who makes you feel more comfortable." I'm a mix of your dad and that guy you like at school. Yeah. I'm it's, I'm sorry. Watch Superstar. It's really funny. It's, the best. Yes. it's a great, great portrayal of God. Anyways, um, but God starts talking to her. And the cool part about this is he's speaking in Welsh, um, which the character of Maude is Welsh, as is the actress who plays her. And the whole reason they had him talk in Welsh was because, like, Morphid Clark speaks Welsh. And um, Rose Glass just heard her speaking on the phone with her sister. Um, speaking Welsh, and she was like, hey, can can you say the lines for God? And then they just kind of, so it's Morphin Clark, again, her inner monologue might be God, um, in, uh, like, a, they, they tone down her voice. They take it down a few notches, but it's her speaking in Welsh. Um, and basically he's like, um, you have to take up this final test, and then we'll be together truly. And so she starts making herself this, like, saint costume. As an adult, putting a sheet over yourself and wearing your rosary like a necklace, which is not how you wear a rosary, by the way. Uh, it's not how you wear it. I mean, I guess you, you can wear it as a necklace, but you're traditionally not supposed to. Um, but she starts wearing a rosary on her neck and putting a sheet over her. And she's, like, in the middle of, like baptizing herself in her sink and like making holy water in her sink when joy stops by and i like this because rose glass said in a normal movie this scene with joy would be the turning point for maude and she would hear what joy had to say because joy is very much like 
I'm so sorry. I didn't see the signs before what happened. You know, it's not your fault. You, you should just forgive yourself. Let's try to be friends. And I'm so sorry that, you know, I wasn't kinder to you. Um, do you want to talk about it? And she gives her another chance to, to be free of her trauma, to, to work through her trauma. And in a normal movie, this would be the turning point where the character goes, I'm so fucked up. I can't believe I did this. But instead, Maude is not listening to her at all. She's, like, tuning her out completely. And she just kind of turns her. She's like, yeah, I was so lost. But now I'm going to be transfigured or transformed. And everyone will see soon. Bless you, Joy. And Joy's like, oh, okay. Well, I'll see you around then. But she, like, even makes plans to come see her again. Like, yeah. that's what... So, like, in a normal, like, I like that because, like, Maude is just so caught up in herself and her obsession. And she has the opportunity to open up to somebody and she will not do it. Which, I mean, maybe is Amanda's fault because I think she was opening up to Amanda. But then Amanda was making fun of her in front of people. So that probably embarrassed her. It's not Amanda's fault completely. But I'm like, probably that experience made her, like, go even further into the deep end. Yeah. Um. But do you want to go through the next little scene? Which um, is yeah. terrifying. So she ends up going to Amanda's house and she kind of like waits until Amanda's current nurse leaves and sneaks in, essentially breaks in and goes into Amanda's room. And Amanda's like very, very bad, like a lot weaker mm-hmm. since the previous scene. And her first reaction when she sees Maude is something to the, uh, to the oh, effect of like, so oh, Maude, I miss you or I'm sorry. Like She, she sees says, I'm her. so sorry I was unkind to you. Yeah. That's what she says. Yeah. Yeah. It's really... I mean, it was sweet. And she's like, I'm sorry. And I think she says, you wanted to talk about things that made me uncomfortable and scared me. Yeah. And I'm sorry. You were just and trying so to help. And so, is, like, at the point that she's like, yeah. And then she's, like, trying to bless her with this ham- homemade holy water. And, you know, yeah. just like, stop, it's a, please. Yeah, yeah, she just keeps, like, throwing it in her face, which... yeah. Okay, usually when you have holy water, you just kind of make the sign of the cross. It's like, or make a little cross on someone's forehead. You don't usually just throw it at their fucking face. Like, that's rude. And yeah. no one does that. So basically, I think there's this tug where it's like, Maude's just like super like trying to save Amanda's soul. And Amanda's like at the point that, like, she's just, I think there's nothing left to lose. Because she's like at death's yeah. doorstep. Like, there's just not much life in her. And she's just like, comes clean. She's honest. She's like... I don't believe it. Like, I don't believe any of it. I was essentially acting with you. Um, yeah. And she li- literally says, God isn't real. You know that, right? Like, you know. It's yeah. Like, oh, okay. And you see like, this Maybe moment, don't say that to crazy. Yeah. You see this moment where Maude, like, literally, it's like this just complete fear, like, overtakes her. Yeah. Like, what if She's what if crying. everything she's saying is right? Like, what if it, all yeah. this is right? And then Amanda turns into a fucking demon. So. Yeah, I did not expect that. I was like, oh my god. And Amanda's like, ha ah, you're so weak. You fucking weak. Your faith is weak. And so Maude stabs her to death. Mm-hmm. And well, there's a, quite a struggle. Uh, and actually, this part was really scary. And I was like, oh my god, did not expect that. Um, but it's not overly fanciful. Like, her mouth gets wider than normal. But that's the only, like, cgi thing and her voice gets very deep but you can tell it's still her so like it's like oh okay um and yeah so she um stabs amanda to death and then the demon morphs kind of back into amanda and um but instead of like feeling bad Maud is like exalted 
She yeah. is like so fucking happy. And I'm like, I just don't think God would want you to stab a lady. I just, I don't think so. And then we get to the final scene yeah. where Maud washes and then dons her saint costume. And she has wings. Brings, she, oh, yes, yeah, she has wings. She has wings. It's like, and, oh, okay. And this is what, this is one of the only parts of the movie that I'm like, uh, because it's like she goes home. I think she, to my knowledge, she, she, she slept. Um, and she wakes up the uh-huh. next day. I'm like, and they haven't, like, fought a mob being, like, the first thing. Like, Amanda's body, I guess, maybe hasn't been right. discovered yet. Because you would think mob would be the first person, like, on that Maybe list. if her caretaker went overnight. Or maybe she just got home and they just called the cops. So. Yeah. But, yeah. I know. I was like, I was like, are they not knocking on her door? But maybe they're literally on the way when she leaves. But she yeah. leaves her apartment fully winged. And she brings along, excuse me, this big bottle of acetone, which we've seen before. Um, and it's interesting because, like, there's a lot of foreshadowing to this moment. Like, Maud has a very uh, nervous habit of flicking a lighter. And then, like, there's this poster of Amanda with from her dancing days. It's like a show poster. And she's got this long red hair flowing, almost flame-like. Um, and that, the patient that Maud accidentally kills is in that same position. And then you also see that um that video of the dance as well but then also the bottle of acetone is shown a couple times before and it focuses on that flame on the thing which again is something spooky astronauts pointed out i was like oh i like that too um i just caught the lighter thing and the hair thing but i was like oh that's cool um and maude takes a big vat of acetone walks down to the beach and um she just kind of like there are these there there's a bunch of people on the beach and she just kind of douses herself in acetone and is like kind of sing songing singing some Jesus song that I didn't quite recognize, um and she sees this portal in the clouds which I thought was a really cool part like it looked really real I thought the CGI was really good on it like she sees this portal in the sky and she kind of stands right under the portal and douses herself in acetone and um everything kind of freezes and she sees all these people like kneeling and exalting her and she lights her lighter and in her head she's just like glowing and she's an angel and she's happy and it's like she's so excited and she says glory to god um in welsh and um then for the last i don't know if i love or hate this part it was terrifying but i kind of didn't like that they showed it so briefly I kind of hope yeah. they would have done it either super long and, like, from far away, almost, to see, like, what the yeah. people, the audience are seeing. But you see just a glimpse of her just burning to death and screaming yeah. and in pain. Um, and that's pretty, it's pretty terrifying. It but is. I do kind of wish either they had omitted that or they had, like, kind of, like, taken the camera back and shown her from a distance just kind of, like burning and like falling to her knees and falling over but it's it's good ending i think it's it interesting is. and i you probably read this too so of course the way i took it and i know everyone has in different interpretations so i took it yeah. that was like the nail in the coffin that it was all in mod's head like that's how yeah. i took it with them in it but uh there was a um a a a movie watcher when this movie premiered that came up to um and i'm so sorry i do not want to mispronounce the actress who plays mod's uh, name Morphid Clark. Morphid Clark. Yeah, Morph's uh, act, um, a um, 
a audience member came up to Morphid after the movie, and he's like, I thought the scene, I thought the movie ending with her burning in hell was really powerful. And she's like, oh, is that, she's like, no. And then she was like, oh my god, what if, like, that is, like, she is burning <laughs> in hell in that last scene. Oh, that's sad. I yeah. mean, that's the thing I mean, is, like, she's yeah. definitely suffering from mental illness. So, like, yeah. if, if you, if, like, I believe in therapy and mental health, but I also believe in God. And no, I don't think everything's fair. And yeah, I question things too. But I do. I it comforts me to have religion as someone who believes in mental health and religion coinciding. I feel bad. For, I don't think God would condemn someone who's mentally ill to hell. Yeah. At the same time, Maud is literally told by the demon of Amanda that she needs to take accountability for her own actions, and. She doesn't. So it's kind of like, uh, but, or does she by killing herself? Yeah. Is that her, like, because she's usually when she hurts herself, it's after she's done something selfish. Yeah. And so maybe really, it is her. I don't know if there's, I, what I do like about this movie is I don't really think there's a wrong answer or a right answer. Yeah. And I think so many people can interpret it in so many different ways. The way I interpret it is that. Like religion. Yeah. 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 I and I the way I just interpreted just me as as just my personal view is that uh, Maud was so lonely and she kind of latched on this idea of religion because she didn't really have anything else and a lot of what she was perceiving was in her head. That's just how I felt watching it. But oh, I, I think a lot of it probably is. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean I definitely think I don't like I don't know. I feel like Maybe she, maybe she was having, at the beginning, it's almost like maybe God is talking to her through these, like, mm-hmm. godgasms. Um, but it might also, but, but when she starts getting sinister with it is when I start being like, I don't, yeah. I don't think God would want you to hurt yourself, Maude. I, I don't think he'd want you to hurt Amanda either. I think he'd want you just to be happy, or she, whatever you want to yeah. say. Um, I don't think God really has a set agenda anyways. Um, I mean, I guess he's father, but I mean... He's God. I think he's yeah. everything, right? So, right. I don't know. That's very philosophical, theological debate. Um, but yeah, and I do think the performances are probably, and the visuals too, are, are probably some of the strongest parts of it. Um, yeah. Because I, I think it's interesting that, and this is something that came from one of the interviews with um, Rose Glass, Jennifer Ale, and Morfid Clark, was like, you don't learn a lot about Maud without Amanda and vice versa. You learn stuff about them due to their interaction with each other. Yeah. Um, and they didn't really even have that many talks about it ahead of time. It was just kind of came out of the show and, and the performances. And I think that's really cool. I also think the music is just spooky enough, but not too over the top. Um, it, it is quite spooky, but they don't overuse it, which I think is nice. Um, there's a lot of, like, um, atmospheric noise used as music, um, which I thought was good. Um, yeah. Um, and I like the ambiguity. I think we already said this. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything you didn't like? Um, this is going to sound really, really stupid as a complaint. 
I liked a lot of different aspects of the movie, and I thought it was a very strong directorial debut. Like, I, if I had honestly watched this movie and didn't know, I wouldn't think it was a directorial debut. I probably would have thought right. it was like a sophomore movie, to be honest, because there's, yeah. there's a crispness to her directing style, but her hand's also steady enough, and she seems to know what she's doing, mm-hmm. which I definitely appreciate in a director. Um, with these type of movies, I guess my only kind of thing is that there's not really a rewatchability factor to me see i liked i liked rewatching it the second time because i caught so much stuff in the second yeah. rewatch i really enjoyed watching it a second time yeah um definitely i thought i i felt more of it the second time and i caught more of it the second time um but that may be me and again i find it fascinating like the mary magdalene stuff and the joan of arc and the william blake stuff I I love that that's put in there, and it's just, it's not, like, hitting you over the head with it. And I think most people know who William Blake is, because I feel like I studied him in English class. It wasn't, like, religion class, because he's not Catholic, and he's definitely not pro-religion. Also, he was totally cool with the free love movement, but he was also super religious, which I found very interesting. The script is very smart, and I will say this. The reason mm-hmm. that I think the script is so smart is there's a lot of traps that Rose Glass could have wrote herself into. Like, it could have been mm-hmm. very easy to write herself into, like, an obsessive romantic relationship with an older woman, younger woman. And mm-hmm. she there's a lot of really easy things she could have done that she, she didn't take the easy way out. Like, she made a very smart no. script. And she wrote a very, um, a very smart script. Like, she did her research. Like, she, she, because, you know, she took, she had this idea of what she wanted the movie to end. And she really wanted to be like, what is the trajectory leading to that? And, like, she even battled, Mm -hmm. like, did, did she want to kill Amanda? Like, is there a reason for Amanda to be killed? And, you know, there's a lot of steps that she, I felt like she, she made a very brave movie. And yes. a movie that you don't see. Like, this is, I, I felt like I was watching something completely unique when I watched it. I will say that. Yes. Um, the only other thing I didn't really like about this movie was I kind of wish they'd brought, brought back there's a homeless man that she interacts with. And it's kind of a nice interaction where he asks her for money and she gives him some money. And then she's like, God bless you. And he's like, oh, bless you too, sweetheart. I kind of wish they had brought him back. Almost. Because I was like, I thought that he was going to come back as a character because he seemed interesting. But it's just kind of like, oh, I guess they're just showing her interacting with people, you know. Yeah. But, you know. Um, did you have a rating for this one, like, out of 10? Yeah, I, I went between a 7 and an 8, so I gave it a 7 and a half. Um, I think it's a very strong directorial debut. I think there's good acting. The script is pretty good. Um, sound design's good. Uh, like I said, um, these type of movies, I like them. Like, I like them, and I like deep dive into these type of movies. But they don't tend to be my t- favorite type of films. Like, I enjoy the viewing. I enjoy watching it. But it's not something I come back to. And a lot of my favorite movies that I think maybe get a little bit higher ratings for me are movies that I would come back to again and again. Would I recommend this movie? Absolutely. Um, another movie, though, I don't think you could just recommend to, like, a general audience type person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious if my parents watch this, how they'll feel about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I gave it an 8.5, because I really liked oh, this movie. Okay. I thought it was really good. Um, it's so strong, too, for, like, a first film. Um, I, I think I think if it was longer... I would not give it that strong. But I think the fact that it knows 
how to hold an audience while talking about some really depressing subject matter is really cool. I really think this is a good movie, and it it actually lived up to the hype because we've been hearing about this movie for years, and to find yeah. to watch something that you've been waiting for it and for actually be good is great and i mean this was postponed due to covid that's what i'm hoping last night in soho is not a disappointment it doesn't look like it will be and i've never been disappointed by edgar wright but that one also got postponed i'm like please don't be like one of those movies that gets postponed for like that chaos walking movie where it actually ends up sucking so um we'll we'll um yeah but i really like this one um did you have a grindhouse girls rating for it i did um i rated it f for faith and fire Okay, I like that yeah. one. Um, I had two. I had rated M for malpractice and martyrdom. Okay. And then uh, rated S for saints and self-immolation, which but might be a little might spo- be too spoilery. No. I like M. You know, I like M too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we talked about everything. Yay! 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 Go see it on Hulu or Amazon Prime or Epics. Or anywhere else it's available. It's If it's in theaters. It was in theaters, but it didn't come here. So we didn't get to go see it in theaters, sadly. But in some places it was. Um, Britt, what's your pick? Do we, need to, do we need to discuss or do you know? Oh, no, I know, I know. And I'm really excited about this because I've brought this movie up multiple times. Um, and I told Katie, I was like, God, I own the DVD, but I wish it was streaming. Um, so 2007 film... Uh, uh, actually produced by, by our very good friend, uh, like we know him, Romero Del Toro, produced this movie for his good, good, good buddy, uh, J.A. Bayona, and his 2007's The Orphanage. Um, <gasps> yes! yes! Which is, now, is it Spanish or English? It's in Spanish, so. Okay. And it is 97 Cause... minutes long. What? So what? Yes, we had an eighty-four, a ninety-seven. We got some short movies, some concise, yes, yes. movies. Love it. Yes. I love it. I mean, not that Memories of Murder was great, but it was really long. Yeah, and somehow I ended up watching it twice. Don't know how. Woo. Um, yay! I'm excited. Yeah, this is a movie that's I've heard about, and I've been like, oh, I want to watch that, but it's like never on streaming for me to watch, and I'm like, oh, okay, so. I guess I'll wait. So I haven't seen it yet. So this I feel is... like was there not another movie in English that was called The Orphanage that maybe is a remake of this and maybe it wasn't as good? I don't think so. To my knowledge, I don't think this one was, would be remade. I feel like it's so we talk about movies like this sometimes that they're very unique to their country, and I don't think it would have the same kind of impact or story if it was remade in America. Um, no, okay, but it is. New, New Line Cinema bought the rights to the film, so it hasn't be, been remade, but the rights have been bought for it to be remade. So Okay. Yep. And I've definitely seen the spoopy character yes. before. Which he kind of looks like um, the little one from, the little guy from uh, what was that horror, what was that Halloween movie? Oh, oh, but, trick or treat. Trick or treat. Oh, like my God. Sam. Yeah, Sam. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jeez. He kind of looks like Sam from Trick or Treat, but um, probably more scary. I will say scary. this. Um, I can't wait for you to watch it because there is a scene that, like, I think the oh, first no. time I watch it. So, my idea of scary, everyone has probably different things that terrify them or make their heart stop or 
Um, I remember uh-huh. watching a scene in this movie, and I was like, I'm so scared that, like, I'm getting sick to my stomach. Like, <laughs> oh, no. So, but it's it's not like body horror. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it's not body horror, but it's the intensity of the scene, and it's so quiet. Like, I think there's something about a scary movie moment that's quiet. I think we're so used to hearing, like, the shrink instruments, like, violins and stuff. So when you have something that's just unbearably quiet, that's horrifying. There's one other thing that's going to be a very, very, very slight spoiler. So I will say this for our viewers. Spoilers. Um, a very, very slight one. Uh, my, my, the movies that strike fear into my heart the most are ghost, are ghost stories, and this is a ghost story. So... And there's children involved because it's an orphanage, I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. So. <laughs> Whoops. No. Kind of like children change, are scary. Kind of like the change, kinda though, but not the, really. Oh, uh, that's a good movie, though. Maybe I'll make my parents watch this one with me. Yeah. I don't really want to oh, watch it. This one seems like I don't want to watch it by myself. Oh, your mom will probably cry if she's a crier. I'm a crier. I don't know if your mom's a crier. I'm a crier. Yeah. So. You may or may not But cry, it depends. So. Um, so we got to sign off, guys, and we get to watch the orphanage. Yay! Woohoo! Ooh. And it's Pride Month next month, or the month this airs. Happy Pride, y'all! Yeah, happy Pride. So it's pretty cool. Yes. Be sure to watch the orphanage and St. Maud if you haven't already. Um, we love you guys. Um, thank you for listening, liking, and subscribing. Please make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook and wherever. You want to listen, please listen and rate us and subscribe to us and share if you can, because that really helps us. Um, The more followers we get, the easier it gets for us to publish things and to get sponsors and things like that. So please do that, um, because we would love sponsors. That would be nice. Um, But even even without sponsors, we'll still be here for you guys. Um, We promise. But um, we love you guys. Um, Take your vitamins. Wash your hands. Vax uh, it up um, and be careful out there and just be kind to everybody, okay? And um, uh, yeah, we love you guys. Be safe. Yes, absolutely. Everything echoing off with what Katie said. Also, please uh, remember this is now the time. Take uh, take a sip of water, drink some water right now. Uh, stay hydrated. That's very, very important throughout your day. Um, we love you guys. Thank you for always listening, for always being. We're so smart. Uh, so I can't speak. I'm tired. Uh, we are Me so <laughs> happy that you have taken um, a part of your day to join us today. So thank you for listening to us again. We're so happy to be here with you. Um, and as always, we just look forward to seeing you uh, uh, same time next week. Same spoopy channel. Stay spoopy, y'all. Stay spoopy, y'all. Have a good, good night. night. Bye, bye, Katie. Or goodbye. <laughs> bye, Brittany. Love you guys. Bye. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com. Dot com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.